Guys, you are an exceptionally beautiful and special community. Um, Jacques used the word fruitfulness, and that is what I celebrate in this community, is the fruitfulness of God. And the fruitfulness of God is really um, the, ex the expression and the manifest expression of his life in us and through us. And just the stories this week of dinners had at people's homes and visiting those that are not well and just being together, praying together. It's just so beautiful to see us participating together in the life of Christ. And um, so as I bring this word today, I I just felt like let it be a deep encouragement and an invitation from the Spirit. He is doing something spectacular in this community, something of a birthing for the time that we've been created to be a part of. We are here to see the kingdom of God expand and, and, and heaven come to earth. And, and the world is a tricky place, but we are being molded by the Spirit in the likeness of Jesus to bring His kingdom in and through our lives. And He's doing something so, so beautiful. And so this morning is really just an invitation from the Holy Spirit um, for a deeper intentionality, Rob called it devotion. I want to say a deeper intentionality where all our affection and all our attention is on Jesus. The presence of Jesus, the center of our lives, the vine from which everything else becomes fruitful. Everything else makes sense. So can we have the first slide? I'm going to launch this morning from... Uh, a quote that I read at the beginning of the year, and um, I think it's a really interesting use of words that I want to unpack. This morning's preach I've entitled, His Word, His Way. And in the theme of devotion, there is a simplicity that we come back to, that the Acts 2 text that Rob used, um, you guys probably all have one of these by now, um, brings us to the simplicity of we gather around the apostles' teaching, we gather around the Word, we gather around the Spirit in prayer and worship, and we gather together in the breaking of communion, which takes us again to the Word and takes us to the Spirit with us. It's a simple and beautiful life of focused attention and intentionality. Okay, so this um, is quite an interesting quote. It's Andy Squires. He's a musician and a worship leader. Our modern life is frantic and most likely always will be. I think it's a pretty good word, frantic, to describe the modern condition. But internally for us, and working outward, we do not have to live at the speed of fractured disconnectedness. Our hearts and minds belong to God alone, so we are not compelled to go any faster than what grace will allow. The frantic culture of modern living looks like a speed of fractured disconnectedness. But through the gift of salvation, we are born into union with Jesus, full connectedness. And that bodes that we live differently from the frantic society and world culture that surrounds us. And so this morning's message is like, what does that actually mean? Because a lot of the time, I feel like I'm living at the speed of fractured disconnectedness. That's when we're living in self. 
And the Spirit is teaching us to live in step with Him. Uh, Andy Squires puts it as, as fast as, we'll, as grace will allow. But Galatians says, in step with the Spirit. How fast is that? Sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's not at all, it's wait. It's the perfect timing of the Lord. And we as sons and daughters have to learn that that, we have to teach our mind and our heart from the inner being of our spirit where we are in union with Christ to walk in step with the spirit and not to live from fractured, the speed of fractured disconnectedness. Friends, we want to live in the reality of who lives in us. The reality of who lives in us. No longer living the self-life of fractured disconnectness, but to learn to live by the Spirit in step with Him, in fellowship and union and communion with God. Learning to live in the full inheritance of what Jesus bought for us by His precious blood on the cross. Can we not be satisfied with, well, it's just like it is. Can we give our devotion to Jesus? Teach us to live in the fullness, the full measure of Christ in us. Teach us. And we come with this humble, yielded heart because we don't know. We're taught much more by the world, in the world's paradigm. And we've got to learn, and we're learning together in community to be taught by the Spirit. And he teaches us, him to us, the Father through the Spirit to us, to our spirit. And he also teaches us in our togetherness through one another. Rick Joyner says, we are coming to the most exciting time there's ever been upon the earth. A great cloud of witnesses is watching. What is coming upon the world in the last days is the result of Christians waking up to the reality of the one who lives within them. This is our quest to live in the reality of the one who lives within us. So I want to go first, I want to jump into the word, and I want to look at um, what Romans says about the simple gospel of salvation and who we are now, how we get to live in this connectedness. Um, so we can go to the next slide. Thank you. So Romans is the most beautiful unpacking of the gospel of grace. It starts with, with presenting the law in Romans like one, two, three. The law, the code of conduct was given by God in the Old Testament to bring us out of the deception that we could save ourselves. In our broken disconnectedness, the law came to actually expose you can never reach God. You can never bridge that separation, no matter how good your effort is, how good your behavior. No one can measure up. We need a savior. And then Romans 5, 6, 7, ending in 8, which is, I think is one of my favorite um, chapters in Scripture. But it brings this, this understanding that through Jesus, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, we have been reborn into brand new creations in union with Jesus himself by his spirit. And so through the gift of salvation, by grace through faith, we have mystically died with Jesus on the cross. Our old man, the separated, alone, fractured and disconnected man crucified on the cross with Jesus. 
Baptism is, baptism is this beautiful picture. We go under the water into the tomb with Jesus and we emerge a brand new creation in our inner man. Brand new, made perfect. It has to be because otherwise he could not live in us in union. And we are seated, Ephesians says, with him in heavenly places. That is the gospel that we have to, that is the gospel that we have to keep going back to. I don't know for you, but I can't drift. I can't even drift like a day without going back to that and aligning my view of myself according to the scriptures. Because the world's operating in fractured disconnectedness and aloneness, and we're going to unpack what that looks like. The word says, I'm in union with the vine. So I have to keep looking and keep looking. James 1 says, now I'm skipping ahead in my notes, but let me just quickly go there. Anyone who listens or reads the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. So I've just told you about Romans. I look at myself in the mirror, then I forget what I look like and I walk away and I operate in my life. But the man who looks intently let's say with devotion, let's say with intentionality at the perfect law that brings freedom. He continues to do this in devotion and not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, living it. We become a living doctrine. That's my favorite phrase at the moment, not just a head doctrine, but a living truth as we gaze intently on the word and he will be blessed in what he does. Fruitfulness comes from learning to live in the reality of the vine, the reality of the one who lives in us. Isn't that amazing? And so the word is crucial. It is the place that draws our attention. But the word and the spirit are one whole unit. You know, some churches are like, we'll do the word, but we have a seatbelt with the Holy Spirit. Okay. <laughs> the word taken out of context has led to the oppression of, of, of um, people of color across the world, of women, of it's led to wars like the Crusades. This taken out of context of the spirit is dangerous. And then all the side on the spirit with none of that, we've seen so many revivalists drift into moral issues because that's too far away. You know, this is the mirror and the spirit makes it real in us so we become a living truth. And the two are one whole, you cannot separate it. And so we are devoted to the spirit and we are devoted to the word. And let me tell you in this season, in the age of information, we need to simplify. That's it. It's the Word and the Spirit. We're not cutting anything out of the Word, but we're also not taking it out of, out of context and making it some kind of thing that it's not Word and Spirit in the safety of community. There are men and women in this community that have the wisdom, revelation of the Spirit. It helps me. Okay, this is where we pull in there. This is where we grow there. It's in that's how it's meant to be. That's what the, the fivefold is. Equipping, protecting, strengthening the body. We need that. Okay. So let's quickly read Romans 8. Um, oh, yes. One last thing. So I don't want to miss this train of thought. The Word of God is taught and brought alive within us by the Spirit. The Word of God has a way of God. And I'm going to speak about this again. It's not just the black and white and the cerebral application of the Word. 
God has a way, and that is his nature. And so when we live out the word, it's got to feel like the Father. Okay, it's got to feel like when someone is having coffee with me or in our home or in this meeting, it's the nature of the Father. And how do we know the nature of the Father? The fruit of the Spirit. It's love. It's joy. It's so simple. It's peace. Like, oh, that's so boring. It's too simple. It's everything. The nature of the Father displayed through our lives. And so it's the Word, but by the Spirit, it's His way. And we are learning how to make that a whole so that when people are with us in whatever context, they're actually experiencing the nature of God. And how does the fruit of the Spirit come? When we walk in step with the Spirit. Not in fractured disconnectedness, but in His timing, His voice, presence, the presence with us, in us, through us. So Romans 8 says, NIV, um, for, uh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the, death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Okay, your body was crucified with Christ. Galatians says, it is no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. So we're learning now to live from the Spirit being of us in union with Jesus instead of by the flesh alone. Okay, and I'm going to speak more about that because living by the flesh in the unrenewed mind just you live death, actually. But living by the Spirit manifests life and fruitfulness. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought you out, about, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Do you know the privilege? It cost the blood of Jesus that we, born by the Spirit, can say, Daddy, God, and be there right there in Jesus in heavenly places, right there with the Father, hearing His voice by the Spirit. Jesus says, I do not live on bread alone. I don't just live in the natural. I live on every unfolding word from the Father's mouth. That is a continual stream of words from the Father's mouth. Now, and it's through the Spirit. This is our inheritance, friends. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirits. We are God's children. And if we are children, we are heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. Indeed, if we share in His sufferings, we also share in His glory. So we're learning to live in this reality. So again, the Word is our mirror. I'm not going to live alone. I'm going to live as a daughter adopted by the Spirit without fear and in, in close relationship with the Father. I have the next slide. Okay. So Rob actually sketched this little picture for a friend of ours, um, and it, it was for his uh, a song that he wrote. But I think this is a beautiful picture of father and child, intimacy, trust. And I want to just use this image as a picture of the Garden of Eden, okay, of our original purpose, trust, intimacy, walking with the Father. We were born by the breath of the Spirit, our first glimpse, the Father. We were created to walk in innocence and complete trust. He's just good, and I walk with him, and I work with him, and he loves me, and I love him, and that was the original purpose. And then venom comes into the heart of Eden and says, God is not good, and you can't trust him. 
And Adam and Eve decide to believe that. And at that moment, the separation comes of that intimate space that we were created for. And that lie breaks the reality of Eden. And from that moment, we are covered with shame. We are hidden. We pull apart from God. And we begin to live as humanity separated from the Father, from that innocence and trust and intimacy that we were created for. Can I tell you what the root in every single human heart is? Not enough. Because we were created for intimacy and togetherness. And you're born into this, every single one of us. And it's only through the blood of Jesus in the receiving of the gift of salvation, can you go to the next slide, that we receive again the full inheritance, born by the Spirit to walk in intimacy, trust, fellowship, participation again. We are restored within us. Where is Eden? It is inside. If you ever read Song of Songs, the garden that the lover the loves to walk in is within you. Come Holy Spirit, blow on my garden. It's an internal, you're in your inner being where you are in union with Jesus. This reality has been restored. This reality, Romans 8, is what we are giving our attention to and our intentionality. We want to live in that. Rob said in the first Sunday, we need to rewire our definition of success. Can we go back to the fallen, to the, the broken slide? So, in this space of disconnectedness that we're all born into in the human condition, the root is I'm not enough. <clears throat> and that can look like two things, overachievement, other side of the same coin, underachievement. I listened to a podcast with Katy Perry this week, and she said her root is not enough, and it manifested in an intense drive for perfection and achievement. That was the gas, the petrol that fueled the vehicle of her life until 30 and then the petrol burnt the whole car down. Because that route of overachievement, of being driven, of ambition, gets you to the place where it will consume your entire life and cost you what? Your relationships, your, your health, your whatever. The other side of that same coin is the not enough side just... I just can't, I just can't get there, you know. It's the same coin. Can you imagine? It's the two sides of the same coin. And we're, but we, friends, are learning to live in the fullness of that picture. And so what I want to, want to talk about today, and we can go to that table, is the difference in thinking. I want to highlight a few points. The difference in thinking between being a self-made, driven man and woman born into that culture of fractured disconnectedness versus the God-created son and daughter that we now are through the gift of salvation. Some things to think about. The self-made man or woman often operate alone, hustle self-effort to make things happen. This God-created son or daughter sustained by grace, empowered by the Spirit, walking by faith, walking in union, fellowship, communion, walking from that space and expecting the fruitfulness from the inside out instead of getting it all the time here. Independent versus partnership and participation. So as you're thinking through your thinking with everything that you're facing, all the different aspects of your life, are you operating independent, making decisions by yourself, or are you bringing every area, every area, 
every area, what you watch on TV, what you're drinking, what you're eating, your marriage, your work life, the decisions you make, are you bringing every area to the Holy Spirit or are you staying independent? Okay, grasping, striving, scarcity, not enough lack, shame, unsafe, fear. Or expecting good, childlike wonder, innocence, trust, and hopeful. And when things get really tight and the pressure is on, I always default back to the alone. The scared, not enough. Um, and, And it's good in our marriage, Rob will be like, where was the trust that you were feeling just a moment ago, because that's what we need to do. We need to call one another back to, hold on, I know things are falling apart, but we don't, because things are falling apart, try to fix it all by ourselves. Because things are falling apart, we move into trust again, and participation, and partnership, and wonder, and rest internally. Uh, The self-made failure, exposed shame, hide in disappointment. You know, we used to hide and put the fig leaves over our shame, That's what it looks like when you feel alone. Whereas failure as a son or daughter, you need to learn. Get up, brush off, because you've been forgiven. Your failures and your your victories are met in Christ. Both. And so both are times for the Lord to lead you on your journey, to develop greater trust and closeness and intimacy, both our failures and our weaknesses, learning, growth, courage, Where we were proud, threatened, and defensive in self-protection, still wearing those fig leaves. So when things go wrong, you hide. We can be vulnerable and open-hearted. We can actually own the stuff we're struggling with and bring it into the light. Not own to be like, sorry, this is who I am. You know, just take it or leave it. I have anger issues or I can't trust people. No. (laughs) Own it to bring it to the spirit empowered for transformation, not hiding all the veneer behind the mask. Behind that is all the stuff happening, but put the religious mask. No, that is living in in fractured disconnectedness, but actually owning, I'm struggling here. I want the Holy Spirit in. That That is sons and daughters. That's our inheritance because we boast in him. Both our weaknesses and our strengths are all about him because we're learning that it's only in Christ. It's only my life in him that actually bears fruit. Um, Standing on others to achieve, stingy the other, but being God's sons and daughters, leading by serving, laying down your life, generous, greatness. Don't you see in the dynamic of relationship, you know, you want to stand on others to feel like, you want to say something to like lift yourself up. It's not how he works. He works under. You can hold back. You don't have to prove that you are worthy because you've been made worthy. And when that grows, you can actually lift others, you know. Behavioral modification in the self-made man or woman. Uh, weed whacking. So I, I really feel like habits of sin, the habits of sin in our life comes from the broken, disconnected old man because you're still living in the old man. And you haven't allowed your mind to be fully transformed that you have been made whole. Because if we, as we look at the gospel and transforms our mind, holy is whole. Because we've been made like Jesus. And we need to now live in the truth of our new creation self, which looks like Jesus. So there isn't like any like... Um, oh, I just do this or that. Well, then you haven't taken that fractured, 
a broken disconnectedness that's manifesting in patterns of sin or, 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 or unrenewed thought patterns or whatever it is, that, that behavior comes from still living alone. But as we come into the reality of our new created selves, we need to live holy, empowered by the Spirit. It's not just like whatever it is, um, fits of anger and rage, you know, this is what you're living on, and you keep having this, and you weed whack the behavior. What is the root? Something there is like not being brought to the Spirit. And he's not okay that you live in distorted, fractured disconnectedness. He's not okay that we live in sin. He's not okay that we live in whatever it is that even the, the heaviness, the, the hopelessness, he's not okay with that because the blood of Jesus purchased whole and whole looks like holy. And so we don't want to just weed whack. We actually want to learn to not hide, but bring the issues we know we need to, to the spirit and allow him to empower us for transformation. We have to look like Jesus. That is what we are created to express. Um, great exploits in the self-made man. Wonderful, of course. But what does it cost you? What is the fruit? Whereas great exploits with the Spirit. Guys, we're created to do great things. Really. But in love and joy and peace, manifesting the nature of the Father and not just in disconnected. Like, And then it just looks like that car bursting into flames because the root is still, I'm alone. I love that um, verse in 3 John 1 verse 2 that says, I pray that you prosper in every way, health in every area, even as your soul prospers. It's like as we prosper from the, the vine, from the place of, of total um, new creation reality, walking with the Lord, as we prosper from there, it's an inside-outside kingdom. And then we pray, and I, I pray for all of you and for ourselves, is that every area, every area would prosper. I think we just need to, in rewiring our understanding of success, we need to rewire and perhaps use the word fruitfulness. Look at, let me look at my life. Are my kids eating of kindness? Are they eating of peace? When I'm sitting with someone, am I bringing all my stuff that still I haven't brought to the Spirit and the conversation's like, like triggering? I'm triggering them, they're triggering me. Or am I actually, I'm, I'm so vulnerable and open with the Spirit and walking face to face like we were created to walk that you don't have to trigger me all the time. I can love you. Fruit, the fruit. Okay. So the Word of God, and then I just unpacked, you know, just some of what it looks like. It's not just an intellectual concept, but a living Word brought alive by the Spirit. You know, and there's a way that God does things. There's a way. And I, I feel like so often in the church, we get the, we get the doctrine right, but we get the way so wrong. I want you to think about the story of Jesus and the way of God in the story of Jesus. The nation of Israel is under the oppressive rule of Rome, okay? Now, we tend to think we live in the darkest era. It could not have ever got any darker. We need to, like, gear up because this darkness we've never seen before. It is very dark. But let me tell you, there's nothing new under the sun. 
the demons that were there in the Roman Empire, they're not any more of them. I believe that that's theologically correct because a third of the angels fell. The demon gods are still the demon gods. They're still doing the same demony things and living in that same darkness and sin and separation that they were 2,000 years ago. It's just a different manifestation now. It's the same darkness. So I went and I like looked up about the Roman Empire, the violence. The, I actually got to the point where I was like, I can't read this. I just <laughs> turned, like take the, the document and like it was so revolting. Um, sexuality was tie, tied to male domination. So sex with prostitutes, men, women, and children was allowed as long as they were under you, you know? Um, extreme promiscuity, inequality celebrated by Rome, widespread pedophilia celebrated. Um, they crucified people. Nero burned Christians as candles. Guys, they're entertainment. Like we think what we're watching on TV is sordid, and it is, but it's the same. They were watching people being mauled by lions and engaging in all kinds of things in the arena as like a you know, it was really bad then as well. And the nation of Israel are in, they're under the domination, the dominion of this violent, cruel, debauched society, and they're waiting for their Savior, for their Messiah, desperate to be delivered. What is God's way? He sends a baby in a manger, in a cave surrounded by hay and straw. And this man would grow up from the lowest low and come and spend 30 years in obscurity and family, building relationship, learning to love the humanity that he'd created or at least enjoying and loving. And at 30, he goes into ministry, spends three years and then dies on a cross. And his disciples are like, when are you gonna deliver us from this tyrannical rule? When is the army coming? Can we put you on a horse? Can we overthrow Rome? Like, what are we going to do? I'm going to die on a cross. And I'm going to give that gift to humanity that you may receive that, be reborn by the, the Spirit, filled by the Spirit. Now we think of Pentecost. And heart to heart, life to life, home to home, the grassroots movement of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. That was God's way. We need to check that we are submitted to the Spirit's way. Because the things we're longing for to see the kingdom of God established, yes, His kingdom is expanding, but we need to do it in His way, which looks like self-sacrificial love, heart to heart, home to home, community to community, transformation from the bottom up, from the inside out. I want to see, I used to be pretty chilled about it, like the church, they get it, we get the doctrine, but it doesn't feel like Jesus. But you know what, it's pretty much okay, because at least we all, you know, on the same page. And now I'm getting pretty bleak about it because the fruit without the Spirit and His way, without lives yielded in devotion to the Spirit, the fruit does not taste like Jesus. It doesn't taste like the Father. And we're isolating a world that needs Him desperately. 
And so now I'm not so cool with it. And I often have to adjust my attitude because I'm like, we need, it's, it's time. It's time for the church to walk in his word and in his way. Psalm 23 says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Here comes the humility of heart, guys. He's not so concerned with the external. He's concerned with the heart that is yielded, the devotion. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my increasing salvation. You receive the fullness of salvation through the gift of salvation. But... It is an increasing salvation that we get to live in the reality made manifest in our lives on a daily basis as the Spirit teaches us and as we grow. Okay, I need to finish. So I just want to finish with this. I'm going to tell you a story um, where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And I feel like it's really important for our position going forward. Simplicity of devotion. Word, spirit, his way. But it is time for the kingdom of God. And um, Chris Vallotton spoke about this at the end of last year. Like the untaming of the kingdom of God, the unleashing. What's happened is that in the world culture, that fractured disconnectedness, we're like the frogs that start in cold water. And then the temperature gets hotter and hotter and you're getting roasted alive, but you don't actually realize it. With living... In that culture of self, um, in that culture of like completely just dependent on yourself, separated, um, even man's opinion, fear of man, like whatever, distorted views. And eventually you, like the kingdom isn't expanding. It's not that wildness that we've been created to be, this like expression of, of what's been purchased for us and, and who God is and who he is in us, you know? So we're learning to live in the reality of who he is in us. And there's this time right now where he wants to unleash that kingdom again, where we're not satisfied to live in the tide of just the culture of the world, but we're absolutely devoted to living in the culture of the Spirit. The culture of the Spirit is born from inside out. Change my heart first, God. Change my mind first from, from a place of yieldedness. So in John 4, I'm going to quickly, I'm going to be five minutes and then let's worship. But Jesus comes to the Samaritan woman at the well and he's sitting on top of the, like he's sitting right on the edge of the well and she comes to draw water. And I'm not going to read it from the scripture just because of time. It's John 4. Go and read it yourself. But she comes and she wants to, to, to get water from the well. And he says, if you drink from this well, you'll be thirsty again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they'll never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. I want to point that out because I believe that's what God is wanting us to be. She comes in the natural for the natural water. And Jesus says, that's not what you need. You need the living water. Do you remember me speaking about the dragonfly that the Lord was teaching me through how they see? We see 60 frames a minute that our brains break sense of a dragonfly sees 240. And so they see in slow motion. We are created to see what the Spirit is doing in a moment. So when you're sitting with your friend, when you're sitting with the people from school, when you're sitting at work with your family, whatever it is, let our prayer be from Ephesians. Jesus, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we may know you better. I pray that the eyes of our heart might be enlightened so we actually see 
what to pull through. The Spirit wants to speak. Jacques, he said it this morning. He's breaking out of the four walls of the building or where we, where we usually expect to see him move. His presence is actually even thicker and stronger as we take it out. And it's those moments where we're with the people in our sphere of influence. We want to see the in-between. We want to be like Jesus and like, oh, that's not what you actually need. Be led by the Spirit. What you need is the living water. And then he says to her, she says, let me drink. And he says, oh, why don't you go and get your husband? But I'm not married. That's true, Jesus says, you've been married five times. That is the operating of the gifts of the Spirit in that context. What I want to say is that the gifts you carry, that you bring in a church context, a discernment, words of knowledge, words of prophecy, we need to start giving that in the marketplace, in schools, in friendships. We need to gear the conversation to be like, operate in the Spirit, guys in those spaces. Don't wait to be here to operate in your gift. Take the gifts of the Spirit and let them impact the, the community around you like Jesus did in this moment. And I love the, the woman, she says, you must be a prophet, okay? So there's this moment where heaven is touching her life and she's like, <gasps> like she can feel it. And then she says, okay, tell me, where am I supposed to worship? Because she's a Samaritan, he's a Jew. They worshiped in different temples. The Jews felt that the Samaritans were so pagan, even they were on the same route, that they used to walk a completely different route just not to go through Samaria. The trigger of meeting that vulnerability in the spirit, like the woman goes immediately to like the argument, okay, tell me now what is the right thing to do? And that's what people tend to do. Watch in interactions. Oh, this is maybe too vulnerable. How do you know all the stuff that's happening in my life? How do, I feel the spirit here. And then Jesus says to her, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when we won't worship the Father on a mountain or in Jerusalem, but in your heart. He goes to the heart. He goes to the heart. And that is how the kingdom expands, heart to heart. We need to look for moments where we don't get caught in the argument of religion or politics or whatever it is. Those are defense mechanisms. It's the heart. The Lord is looking for us to be worshipers, he says to her. And the Father longs to have sincere worshipers in spirit, the realm of the spirit, and in truth. The truth and the spirit. And that's where we want to position ourselves and right now, I don't know if you're feeling it, but I'm certainly feeling like a shaking. And it's time to be reestablished in the simple, simple, multifaceted, to be unpacked for, like, unpacked for eternity, simple gospel and the ways of the Spirit in devotion, in devotion as a community. We're going to learn to walk like that. Um, can I have the worship guys up? Let's pray, guys. Let's pray. Can we stand? Okay. Jesus, I thank you so much that you are just, you are teaching us. <laughs> you are teaching us. So we come with our hearts this morning and you are a safe place. You are the place where we are healed and made whole in the likeness of Jesus. So I thank you right now, God, that you are calling us to a season of the unleashing of the kingdom of God in all its glory, uh, 
like like they say about Aslan, he's not ta- he's not he's good, but he's not tame. There is a breaking out of the kingdom of God that is good, 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 and powerful and transformative to the world around us, but it is not tame. And God, I just thank you right now that you just change our heart positioning. We don't want to live disconnected and fractured. That operating system was nailed on the cross with you. And we want to live in the wholeness that the blood of Jesus purchased for us by the Spirit. So I just thank you that you just brood over our hearts this morning. I thank you for such a deep intimacy with you as we just go into worship. You teach us. You speak to us as we worship you, as we pour out all our affection and our adoration, our devotion to you, Jesus, Father and Holy Spirit. Thank you that you speak. Thank you for the healing of bodies even this morning, God. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's like for the preparation. I just feel like this morning the Holy Spirit is, so He's preparing. Like even this word and just this space of worship, He's like preparing, He's molding, He's birthing things in us for the months that lie ahead for what He's called us to in all of its fullness. I just thank you, Father, that even now there's a, yeah, just an openness and a readiness for what you have ahead. Thank you, Lord.